Hi, everybody, and welcome to another great episode of Turban Thinker. And today is very important for me because we're going to be talking about the possibility of living in a selfless and conscious world. And I'm really delighted to be joined by Julia Booth, who is a perfect person and who's extremely well versed on the subject. Julia has 25 years of experience in the development and management of projects in the private government and NGO sectors. Her specific field of expertise is in product, project creation, strategy, and management. Julia is also a company director and has worked on a number of NGO boards and currently a director of the Australian Himalayan Foundation. And she consults for non-executive directors working with startups in Australia and the USA. What's really interesting about Julia and makes her such a rich and diverse person is that she has 25-year history of cultural exchange with the Himalayan region, in particular with Bhutan, who she's extremely passionate about. And she had also co-produced a Bhutanese Australian short film, which I'm sure she's very proud of to have been part of the Cannes Film Festival. Julia also teaches at the University of Sydney, Business School in Strategy, Innovation and Entrepreneurship, and is in the Faculty of Arts and Social Sciences and Media Communications. So that was a handful and a mouthful. Julia, thank you so much for joining us from Sydney. It's really, really great to have you with me. Oh, thank you so much. And what a wonderful introduction. I, I, yes, I feel a little bit overwhelmed. Thank you. It's really interesting because, you know, every time I obviously, you know, host the different people and I introduce them, that's pretty much the reaction. And all I'm doing is I'm just introducing you. So these are all of your achievements and I'm sure you're very, very proud of them. So um, so how's it been? Before we get into the question, how's the situation in Sydney? I know we just spoke about that briefly before we started the podcast, but hoping that everyone is safe and it's sort of turning around in the right direction. Thank you. Yeah, look, I think everything is going quite well here, actually. Um, we've been able to, I mean, at the moment, I think it's probably the same you know, everywhere in the world. You know, they talk about restrictions at different levels. So we've been able to move from a level four to a level two, which basically means shops are opening again. We can go outside. We can have 50 people in a restaurant or, I mean, I'm not quite sure exactly what the numbers are. I get confused. But basically things are sort of starting to move back into a situation where we are we are we are able to see each other again and 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 behave in a, in a way that's that that's a little more normal than it has been for a number of months. Oh, that's fantastic news and like you just sort of also mentioned that the great I guess the advantage of being you know such a huge geography and lesser amount of people so hopefully that is definitely on the turning. I've never been and you know I promise promise to uh, want to go there with my my daughters so I'm just desperate to get to Australia, but darn it, you're so far away. <laughs> <laughs> yes, One well, day, you must hopefully. Come. Yes, yes, you must I, I should have it's... done it before this whole madness started, you know, but uh, there's still hope. <laughs> there's definitely hope. There's definitely hope. So, and Julia, we would love to host you. Oh, that, that would definitely be a pleasure. So, Julia, I mean, I was sort of reading up on your career and it's, inspiring in many different ways and I think the one thing that resonates with me is that your entire journey is totally focused on others and through your selfless work and your concentration on making life better for others you know that you've come across and so how did you start in this specific field? 
Um, look, I think that, that's a very interesting question. Uh, basically, I come from a family where we have always been taught that if you have been afforded privilege in your life, then it's important to be able to help others who perhaps are not as, as fortunate. Um, so that's always been the family ethic. And when I was 20, I was incredibly uh, lucky to meet Zongza uh, Kinsa Rinpoche, who is a Bhutanese Rinpoche. Um, and he taught me a lot about compassion you know, and a lot about giving and um, trying to, the idea being you know, if, if, you, if you can, you should try and help people and if you can't help people, at least don't harm them. Um, and I, I think that that really inspired me to, to work towards doing something, you know, that, that, that would be helpful. I'm, I mean, what's interesting is that, you know, the, the key element here, you did say that you were raised with these values. And, and I'm always talking about the importance of values. And obviously, you know, how you were raised and how that resonates with you has been a huge part of your life. And, and God, I wish today, you know, with all the madness that's going on, that hopefully there'll be more and more people out there and I'm certain and over hope that many also have these values like you said about respect for others and and if you are in a privileged position to, to help and that's it's it's a wonderful sort of place for you to start this is what I'm, my point is is that exactly the point it is part of you which is what mm -hmm. made you start on this journey so when did you sort of get involved with um, the with NGOs well, my first role really was with um, an NGO that Zongza Kinse started called Lotus Outreach. And Lotus Outreach works primarily in Cambodia and India with uh, girls uh, providing education, providing transport to schools, from schools, providing food, um, so that girls can have a... Have, have a um, series of series of uh, assistance packages so that they can start education and continue their education and that really was my first work with um, you know in development um, and then I and then I sort of um, with more experience I was asked to do you know more jobs with different NGOs and um, I then started to work with uh, in the uh, the Australian Himalayan Foundation, and particularly with their their work in Nepal with an organisation called Read, and then in Bhutan with Renew, um, and that organisation was started by uh, Her Majesty the Queen Mother Sangha Chodron Wonchuk. Renew stands for Respect, Educate, Nurture, Empower Women, um, and. I started working with them in their education program, so setting up scholarships, um, setting up training programs for teachers, uh, and then finally working with them uh, on vocational tra training and um, vocational training and the development of their their textiles and yeah yeah that's basically. I I think you know working I don't well maybe people do and maybe people don't recognize that working you know, with NGOs is, is an exhaustive commitment and responsibility because you're constantly, you know, championing social change, you know, human rights, environment, you know, improvement of communities and developing societies. So it's a, it is definitely a, a commitment and a journey that has taken you on this path. And 
I spoke and introduced, you know, beforehand that you had co-produced a short film and yes. presented at the Cannes Film Festival, um, in particular, uh, you know, on the Himalayan re region. Why were you drawn to to the to that region specifically? Well, it's it's a strange story, really. I had a um, my first boyfriend collected National Geographic's, and he had in his collection a 1974 National Geographic of the coronation of the fourth King of Bhutan. So the fourth King of Bhutan was crowned when he was only 17, I think. Wow. Uh, and so he was the youngest monarch in, um, in, modern, in modern times. And he, I, I was just fascinated by this place. I'd never heard of it. Um, I didn't know any, I'd never heard of a, a place called Bhutan and I went to university and I spoke to a friend of mine and, uh, and I said, have you ever heard of this place called Bhutan? And he said, yes, actually I have. I have a friend who knows someone from Bhutan. And it was from that conversation that I was able to meet Zongsa Kinso Rinpoche. So from that, I sort of, uh, Zongsa Kinso sort of opened up a whole new world of people to me, particularly Bhutanese people. Um, and I have a very good friend, Claudia Jamyang, and uh, we, um, you know, we, we worked, we just worked on this film together. Um, her husband wrote the film and directed the film. She, she co-wrote it and I produced it. And it's about, it's, it's, the, the reason it, it really resonated with me, I think, was that, um, you know, it's about a mother and a mother's love for a child, you know, a child who's, who's unwell. Um, and I think, I think it was just a, you know, a beautiful, simple story to, to, to tell. And um, so that's why we told, told that particular story. But Bhutan has just so many extraordinary stories. You know, it's a, it's a, I, I can't tell you how, how, you know, I've been sort of working in Bhutan for sort of 25 years and I, there's just, I feel like I know such a small part of, of, of the culture and, and of, of its history and of its mythology. I mean, what, what's fascinating is, you know, it brings me on to my next point. Obviously, there's, it's madness right now. The world is going through some radical change and there's a lot of emotions and, huge you know shift in focus and priorities and and people are very much about things that matter and add value into their lives and then coupled with the sort of whole current demonstrations on racial equality i mean it's a very interesting time and we're, we're actually history is being written as we as we you know as we're living it which is very unusual for for our generation you know i don't think any of us have experienced this amount and obviously for the younger generation so <clears throat> from your perspective what would you like to see come out of all this current circumstance that we're in? Mm, that's such an interesting question. Look, I, I think what is fascinating about this, as you said before, is that we are, this is the first time ever, you know, in, in, in the world's history, I imagine, that, that, the, that everyone's going through the same thing at once. There's a global pandemic and it's happening simultaneously. And I think that... What we're seeing is we're seeing people really beginning to, to, to understand more about, about the difficulties other, other people are facing in their, in their lives and in their, in their worlds. And I guess that's what, you know, what, what we, we, we talk about in terms of compassion. 
there's definitely the sort of development of compassion i think for for uh, people to 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 their fellow fellow man. I think what I'd really like to see come out of this is um, the idea that this concept of we're all in this together is extended beyond this situation, beyond this current pandemic. Um, that that we really do begin to understand a bit more about the fact that we are actually all in this together, and we and we we need to perhaps challenge some of the ideas that we believe. Um, we we have to perhaps challenge the status quo. I, I was reading an interesting article yesterday about the fact that you know one of the one of the situations in terms of in terms of um, what people are thinking about more and more in terms of this pa- pandemic is. What is the role of capitalism, and is the model of capitalism that we have now no, no longer um, as relevant? There's a um, there's a course that the Harvard Business School puts on. It's called Reimagining Capitalism. Mm-hmm. Seven years ago, there were like twenty eight people in that course, and now there are you know three hundred and fifty or something, and they yeah. they have to start another area of the course so that people can 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 participate and I think this is an interesting concept um I think that we will be challenging the status quo I think we will be challenging uh the ideas of of what we value what we think is important how human life and the access to simple things you know the the ability to have basic necessities is so important um, I mean and, and also uh, you're you're in Sydney now so regards yeah. to the the demonstrations that are going on in terms of the sort of the racial equality has that is do you see demonstrations happening in Sydney is there sort of what's going on from that side because clearly obviously when you look at Australia we, we you know we're always talking about the indigenous people and 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 mm-hmm. so that's at forefront of, of what comes to my mind when I'm speaking to you. So are, have there been any such like demonstrations there? Yes, yes. So, so there have been demonstrations in, in uh, all the major cities. Um, and I think that obviously the situation in America um, has really, you know, shone the light on racial inequality in Australia. Um, and I think that what is really important here is that, we as a country begin to understand well not, not that we begin to we 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 do we take action in yeah. terms of the things that we believe in um you know we had a situation recently where um uh, a very large british mining company rio tinto uh basically destroyed a 46,000 year old aboriginal site oh and um, because they because they were you know expanding the mine and the, the they apologized and they said that they'd apologized con- really oh that's fine <laughs> and they said that they'd contacted the you know the the traditional owners and it was a mistake blah blah but what is really interesting a mistake to destroy forty six thousand yes that's yeah. ridiculous I know it's it is outrageous. Wow. But what? But what's? But what's really fascinating about it? A little like what's happening in terms of these, you know, massive riots in America is that it, it, it you know, it was so outrageous that people really started to, you know, even very conservative people started to say, "This is just ridiculous." I mean, how can we possibly? How can this possibly have happened? How can we be so, so ignorant to ignorant? Yeah. 
to you know the the importance of our indigenous people so i think it's uh it's a very very interesting time um i think we are certainly in a period of time in the world where Nothing, I mean, I, I hope nothing is going to be exactly the same. It would be a real shame if, I mean, I was a little bit disappointed, I must say, after the global financial crisis where there was a yeah. lot of discussion about how things would change and, you know, there were movements like the Occupy movement and then within sort of three years things sort of went back to being sad. settled back. And it's yeah. interesting, I was interviewing someone the other day and, and she was mentioning that... Uh, Lenka Matthews, um, and she mentioned that everyone's so fixated and they constantly refer to this new norm and they insist on adding the word norm to the end of it. And I'm one of these people, we all say the new norm. And, you know, her point was, if you're looking to, if you're, the aspiration is to go back to normal, then, you know, even though we're adding the word new, um, it doesn't really give us that much um, hope that, of change. And, and, and like you, and I'm sure millions of people, we are looking for that consistent change and, um, and effect. So you mm. recently wrote an article um, for the Journal of the Asian Art Society, and that yes. was about the Nepalese um, contemporary art collective that recently exhibited in Sydney in the Biennale. Yes. It's the first time you said that a Nepalese collective has ever chosen to exhibit their work. Mm. Um, so can you share share a little bit about the feature that you wrote? Sure, yeah. Um, look, the, this was the first time that the Biennale, the Sydney Biennale had hosted, um, had chosen and hosted uh, Nepalese artists and the artists chosen were a collective called um, Art Tree. Yeah. And they're a collective of five people who uh, all come from different Indigenous communities in, in uh, Nepal. And... They put together a, um, I mean, they're, they're a particular, I mean, they're, they're a fascinating group of people and they're fantastic artists, but they're particularly interesting because they look at the idea that, um, you know, they practice art with the belief that it has deep roots in social practice. Yeah. So it looks at the idea of, you know, the mainstream idea of Nepalese storytelling and and the stories around the narrative around around Nepal and its regions is all about um it excludes often the experiences of indigenous communities and yeah for all five of them being being part of a different indigenous community they wanted to they wanted to highlight this this concept so how many artists uh, came together for this project so five so there are five artists in the in the collective um mm -hmm. and they all have different uh, specialties, you know, painting and sculpture and photography and printmaking and um, yeah. anyway, they, they put together an exhibition called uh, Not Less Expensive Than Gold and it's all about the idea that the um, that traditional medicine, so herbs um, and, you know, botanical, you know, herbs basically, have, have been such an important part of traditional medicine for thousands and thousands of years. But in the last 50 years, these herbs are being exported. So 80, sort of 80 to 90% um, of, of the drugs used by locals are imported drugs. So where communities had always relied and had developed extraordinary amounts of information on the medicinal properties of plants... Uh, that were native to Nepal, uh, that information now is being 
ex- exported and people are relying on imported drugs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At, ex- at extraordinary, extraordinary costs. So, and, and what they're finding is that, um, you know, the basic needs of health, you know, are not being met. The basic needs of education are not being met and things are being commercialised. So it's all about the idea of whereas bef- whereas previously and for thousands of years, Nepalese had the ability to to find herbs, use, use their, their knowledge to... Yeah. Use the herbs around them, using the medicinal herbs around them. Those things are now being exported, and health healthcare is being commercialised and has become incredibly expensive. So it's often out of the reach of most people. Gosh, and and how? What was the reaction towards the exhibition? I mean, was it successful? Did it resonate with people? Because you said this is the very first time, so. Mm. I think it really has resonated. I mean, unfortunately, because of COVID, um, the Biennale was cut short and had to close. Yeah. Uh, it's now reopened. So I think that we're in a situation now where we can really ascertain how how the exhibition has resonated or will resonate with, with people. I think it's an area that people... Uh, particularly, it's an education, isn't it? It's an education. It's an education, yeah. And I think it's an area that that you know people from developed countries just don't understand you know we're so used to pharmaceuticals being a major source of healthcare i mean yes there's yeah. com- there's complementary medicine but really pharmaceuticals dominate i wanted to ask you about the new initiative that you're working on and you're a founder and non-exec director of a, of a company called mumita and rather than me introducing it which is what i intended to do i really would love for you to you know, explain what the project is and what you're trying to raise awareness for. Oh, thank you. Okay, so basically um, I started Mamita after I had my daughter and that was in uh, 2003 and I started Mamita in 2004. It started basically because um, I felt that there was just this sort of chasm in the market of, you know, there was nothing that that I could sort of wear around around the house and sort of look, you know, sort of presentable whilst I was breastfeeding and, you know, just being a new mother. So yeah. I developed this, um, you know, Terry Towling, being a child of the 70s, you know, I love Terry <laughs> Oh, God, I haven't heard that word since the 70s. Julia, oh. Julia, we need to talk. <laughs> oh, Terry Towling. But I understand what it, what it has to do with babies. Terry oh. Towling is such a comfortable word, isn't it? It's like oh, so cosy. It's, it's so cosy, exactly. So, so I developed this very sort of smart pantsuit, um, you know, bottom and top, what, what you'd probably call loungewear now, but yeah, you know, out of terror toweling. Um, you know, my idea was to look sort of stylish and have it be incredibly functional so that yeah. I could, I could, um, you know, when I had people coming over, I didn't look like I was just in my pajamas. I just looked like I was in something, <laughs> yeah. something very stylish. Anyway, so that's how it developed. And then um, from that point, you know, I'd sort of talk to people, talk to other mothers, and they'd say, oh, you know what we really need? We really need X. And then I'd sort of look at, look at the process, how we could develop that, see if it was marketable. Um, and that's really how Mamita developed. And it's, we, we developed a few really innovative products, um, some which haven't yet, can't, haven't yet sort of come to market in terms of um, being a sort of critical mass. 
because mm-hmm. um, because we just haven't had the right the right sort of finance behind it. But that's sort of building more and more. And um, yes, we're we're sort of always growing, always building, and really enjoying it. It's very interesting because it, it, it you know it's a perfect it's a perfect idea of if you want innovation. You know, you need to talk to the people that that are are in the situation. You know that 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 you know what what is required, what is the best thing for the for for you know for the market, and the best people for that information are mothers. Of course, obviously, yes. um, and then also you sort of entered the world of gaming and uh, sort of have developed an app. So maybe you can also share some insight on that. Yes, well, look, the app actually was a part of a project that one of my students developed, um, uh, one of my students, a girl called Chloe Malone, and her idea was so great. It's basically the idea of creating a, a, a game, an app game that um, that highlights the, the, the issue of mothers in remote areas in the Himalayas finding access to good maternal health care. And yeah. the idea of the game is that you have to take the mother, the pregnant mother, um, across the Himalayas to uh, to a hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like a really simple idea, but obviously, you know, it's a game. So there are a whole lot of, you know, things that, you know, in, in that game she comes across snow leopards and snow drifts and all oh, sorts of things yeah. associated with the Himalayas. But the main aim behind it was to, is to uh, raise funds and raise awareness to to help women in the Himalayas um, get access to adequate healthcare, adequate maternal healthcare. I mean, we we have um, very high infant mortality rates in the Himalayas. Um, mm-hmm. And on top of that, we have, and most of that is because there there isn't, um, early diagnostics. So, you know, maternal healthcare is, is is a very very high risk high risk area in terms of uh, in terms of the remote Himalaya. So, when are you uh, launching sort of uh, Mumita? When is that planned? So, Mumita is actually online now, so you can go online and and, and oh great! And, so, where do we go? Where do you see it? So, you just go to mumita.com. Okay. Um, and that, that has some of our products. We're actually in the middle of doing a sort of refurbishment of the website because we have some new products to, to launch. And we will be, um, we haven't launched the game yet. We were actually planning to do it in, um, in March, but then we had the whole issue with, with, um, with COVID and we just thought it was a little bit too much to bring something to market Yeah. Um, yeah. at this time. So we're looking at uh, probably September at this stage brilliant fantastic well you're obviously you know um incredibly inspirational have your fingers in so many different projects and i hope that they're all going to bring great success and i I just want to end it on uh you know words of inspiration from you julia to our listeners what would you like to see from them and from everybody else well, I think, thank you so much. That's just such a lovely thing to, to say. And, and I, I think that what is so inspiring at the moment is the idea that people are thinking of other people. People are thinking way beyond their small circles of influence, you know, whether it be, you know, whether it be in work or with friends, you know, they're thinking globally. And this is, this is a very inspiring moment, I think, in, in, in world history that people are really thinking about 
about how how we can create a better world what what makes a better world and and whether that's universal health care whether that's you know a um, universal basic wage what you know what what is it what what are the elements that we require in society to create a, a better world and it's very exciting to hear people talk about these things and people think that these changes might might become a reality it is it's 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 very exciting and with individuals like yourself paving the way with all of your experience i mean what else could we wish for other than a perfect example of a human being who has obviously very strong values and whose emotions and heart lead the way so thank you so much julia for joining us from all the way on the other side of the word or down under right and uh, we wish you all the best in everything that you do and please keep us updated with your future projects be lovely to continue to understand, you know, the initiatives that you're working on because you're clearly making this world a better place. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much, Asil. And, you know, I'm very excited about the Turban Thinker. I think that you're, you, you're definitely... You're definitely paving the way for um, for people to be to be having discussions and to be thinking about different things and to be expressing ideas and um, and and sharing those ideas. And thank you. No problem. Thank you so much. Take care and have a fantastic day. All the best. Thanks, Cecilia. Bye bye. Bye.